Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce show and today I'm here with Alex Miller. He's the e-commerce and digital strategist at uh, Babuk. And uh, Babuk uh, is a Swiss company. However, they are also in the US and Australia, so different countries, different continents. They've been around for 10 years and actually this year will be their uh, 10th anniversary and uh, they will also start a big uh, marketing campaign this year. So many interesting topics. Also, Babuk is very enthusiastic, uh, very passionate about about, uh, sustainability. So that will be also a topic today. How are you, Alex? It's good to have you here. Yeah, I'm doing great. Great. How about you? Thanks for having me. So... Let's start with uh, with actually your story. So I'm curious, when did you join this company? I joined Babook about five years ago, um, almost exactly five years ago now. And uh, what did you do before? Were you in e-commerce before this company? Yeah, so uh, I've had a, a few different roles. Uh, immediately before Babook, I was in the agency space uh, doing digital marketing strategy for um, you know, various clients uh, in, in that agency space. Prior to that, uh, I have a long resume of entrepreneurship. Uh, I worked in a tech startup in DC and had a few of my own startups as well. Um, really widespread across industries. Uh, so that's kind of my my trademark is I, I jump between industries and um, and different functions and features and kind of gives me a well-rounded experience uh, when I dove into Babook. Mm-hmm. So why did you join this company back then? What was so attractive about this company? So, uh, you know, very first thing was uh, the product. Um, I, I think that still is kind of the the number one asset of working with Babook is it's a product I can buy into. Um, and the, the type of person I am, I really need to be able to buy into what I'm working on. That was one of my big challenges mm-hmm. in the agency space. You know, you get thrown a project and sometimes they're great and sometimes it's you know, just thrown to you. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah. really allowed me to work on a project that I was really excited with. Uh, but, you know, it was a bit of a leap um, that we don't have any employees uh, in the U.S., let alone in, even in the Western Hemisphere. So uh, for me to just kind of dive in, um, it was really Dan and Galena, who are the co-founders of Babook. I talked to them a bunch um, online. Uh, we, we met on angel.co uh, when they were looking for somebody. And, uh, you know, I got on a plane, flew over to Switzerland. My, my parents weren't thrilled with that decision to fly across the Atlantic to meet some people that, you know, I met on online on a job post. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a great connection. Really, uh, you know, the, the team is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it just felt like a really great match um, from the very first conversation. And it gave me a lot of uh, exciting opportunities to to have a little bit more impact um, than I did in the agency space and even in some of the roles that I had prior to that. Yeah. So actually, before hiring you, you already flew to Europe from the US? I was, I think, the first week uh, that I was <laughs> I was at Babook. So we had, we had talked online. We had you know, a bunch of Skype calls. Um, and I think it was my, yeah. my first week of officially being uh, with Babook that I got on a plane and, and went over to Switzerland for two weeks to meet them and the team. That's amazing. I think not many companies uh, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us more about the products if anyone is not familiar with the brand? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the brand started with wool slippers, uh, quickly innovated into other kinds of footwear and, and now even into accessories. Um, so our most popular product is still the slippers. Um, all of those are handcrafted by artisans in our own workshop facility in Nepal. 
Um, so we don't outsource or you know white label produce the slippers. It's, it's all the machines were built by Dan, one of the co-founders. Um, the artisans are all part of the Babook team. Uh, so that's still our, our number one bestsellers are our wool slippers. Um, secondly, are our sneakers. So um, we have two different models of sneakers: our urban wooler, uh, which is um, streamlined sneaker, and then our sky wooler is a high top, a little bit more modern uh, sneaker. And then, you know, due to the success of these products, we've expanded. So we now have boots, um, slip-ons, ballerina flats, and we even started releasing some wool accessories like sitting mats, wallets, hats, mm -hmm. um, and blankets. Yeah, so make all makes sense. And how sustainability relates to this topic? Yeah, so sustainability is really the um, kind of foundational element that drives all of our products and, and a lot of the decisions that we make in the, in the company. Um, we'll be the first to tell you that we're far from perfect. And that's kind of the um, the, the transparency aspect of things that we, we like to promote um, and really what separates us from other brands too. Uh, but whenever we're creating a new product um, or implementing a new process, working with a new partner, whatever it is, um, that sustainability and responsibility aspect of things, uh, you know, not just for a marketing perspective, but really because of who all of us in the company are, um, it's it's really core and central. So, um, you know, the materials we use, wool on its own, is a very sustainable material when used correctly. Um, when you care about the animal welfare behind it, when you process it without chemicals. Um, it's a very sustainable, natural, biodegradable material um, that really outlasts and outperforms a lot of new synthetic materials that are out there. So just starting at that, um, you know, that baseline of a sustainable material really helps drive us into the types of marketing, types of production that we want to do on that eco-friendly, um, really just globally responsible uh, theme. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like your company is a global company, right? Even if it's a small company. I know you are seven internal team members, at least when you when we discussed last time. Mm -hmm. It's a very lean company, but it's also a worldwide company and uh, also sustainable. So very interesting, this mix of, you know, different features of, of Babuk. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm wondering, um, how do you convince this message in your marketing sustainability how do you talk about it? how do you message people about this thing so number one thing is just being authentic uh, being transparent you know, it's such a challenge marketing in sustainability uh, right now because of how widespread greenwashing is you know our biggest competitors not just in footwear you know not just directly competitor to us but really in the fashion industry as a whole greenwashing mm -hmm. is everywhere and it's really challenging to do things uh, right and try to promote things being done right when somebody else will step in there uh, and just kind of greenwash their message all over the place. And it also reduces some of the authenticity and the believability within the market. Um, consumers are increasingly more um, skeptical about green claims that you have, about eco-friendly, um, even socially responsible claims that you have because, because of how widespread greenwashing is, um, the believability just isn't there. So... What we try to do, uh, and I think the benefit of being such a small team, is we're very human. Uh, we don't hide behind investors or consultants or paid actors. Mm -hmm. um, you go on our website, you see exactly who we are. And by having that human touch to it, that that forefront transparency, um, you know, we hope that that comes across. And like I mentioned earlier, we're also going to be the first to acknowledge when we don't do things right. Um, so even like right now, there's some materials that we do use in our products that we don't love. We're trying to modify it and constantly innovate on, um, but we're not trying to hide it. We're not trying to, you know, cover things up. Um, 
And, and by doing that, we hope that the, um, the believability and that trust that our consumers, our customers have in us can continue to grow and um, they you know, kind of follow along as we continue to improve on, on these goals. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I know most of your market share, it's in Europe, in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you can see differences between the countries, like how people react to this messaging. Maybe some countries are more aware of uh, sustainability. I think Swiss people, they are in general. Maybe other you know, markets, they are less. Uh, can you see differences in this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's one of our a big challenges in marketing because we do market to so many different um, regions. So we have Switzerland, we have the US, we have EU, which of course in the EU, you know, marketing to Germany is very different than marketing to France, for example, Australia. Um, so yeah, absolutely. On the sustainability side of things, it's not necessarily that some markets care about it more, but markets have different um, different pieces of the story they want to hear, different you know kind mm -hmm. of thresholds of believability, thresholds of what uh, consumers in those markets consider to be you know truly eco friendly, truly sustainable, um, truly uh, you know socially responsible. Uh, so it's not that we change our message necessarily. Uh, in each market because, you know, again, we're, we do everything we can to not play in greenwashing. But what we will do is highlight different aspects. We, of course, speak to our audience and try to answer the questions that uh, people in those areas are, are really um, caring about. So we'll use Switzerland as an example. It's our largest market. It's our home market. Uh, what matters so much there because we're based in Switzerland is, uh, you know, we don't, Switzerland typically has had, had an issue with uh, the Swiss quality communication and, and brands that are based in Switzerland claiming to be made in Switzerland. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big conversation there. We don't produce in Switzerland. Our sneakers come from Portugal. Our slippers come from Nepal. Uh, so the number one thing there is that we, we try to explain that we're a Swiss brand. Uh, we, everything's designed in Switzerland, um, but we want to make it very clear we're not producing there. We do use some Swiss wool, um, but we're not trying to, you know, pull a fast one and, and make these claims. Uh, we do as much as we can there. So like all of our warehousing or most of our warehousing is uh, locally there uh, and our fulfillment is, is locally there. We want to be very transparent with our audiences about um, you know, what we're doing locally versus what we're doing globally. Yeah, makes sense. And um, when it comes to the US, let's say, how, how what differences can you say? And not just regarding messages, but maybe technology or, or what marketing tools you use? Yeah, so in the US, uh, you know, it's, it's a very different marketing uh, space than in Europe. Uh, privacy laws are very different. Uh, types of uh, tools and channels that you can use are very different. Like in the US, one of our, um, one of our new upcoming channels uh, that has been performing really well for us is SMS. Uh, we started about a year and a half ago. It's been um, it's been a fantastic channel for us, not just in marketing, but also we really use it as a way to kind of curate conversations with our customers in a way that you can on email, but it's just not as personal. Um, of course, we we use SMS to send promotions and uh, product launches and things like that. But what we really try to make it uh, to be as a channel where customers can ask us questions. We can share more information about the process, really make it more of a nurturing channel. And it's been great for that. We've been able to connect with customers uh, in a really authentic, personal way. Um, but that's a channel that rarely works outside of um, US and Canada. Um, a little bit in UK, some in Australia. It's it's growing 
slowly uh, into other markets, but SMS just uh, not even for marketing, but just on a peer-to-peer -peer side isn't really used much um, throughout EU, um, you know, at least not native SMS. So uh, it's one of those areas that we're, we're testing, we're seeing if we can expand out. Um, but you know, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the differences. Like I said, the US uh, right now, very different privacy laws, GDPR isn't, um, isn't an issue. You have CCPA, uh, which you know, only impacts um, certain companies that, that work in California and only with that data. So uh, it, it's very different. We do, because we're based in Switzerland um, and we process a lot of our data in Europe, we do typically tend to follow GDPR requirements really across the board, whether it's US advertising mm -hmm. or not. Uh, but even just in some channels, like the way that Facebook can advertise in, um, in the US is different than the way it's going to perform in Germany or in France, for example. So we do take a very regional approach to how we uh, manage campaigns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something very interesting that you mentioned, the SMS marketing outside of US, Canada and UK. So I can see the same trend um, in these three countries. SMS really has its renaissance nowadays. In the past, let's say, two, three years, I would say. It's crazy what ROI you can get. And I really like that you use it not just for promotions, like most of the brands, but for other purposes. It's, it, it should be really like a two-way conversation yeah. um, with, your, with your subscribers. But unfortunately, we cannot see great results in France or, or Spain or Italy, these countries regarding SMS. And it's not just because of the laws. So. Right, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. By the way, is there GDPR in Switzerland? I'm not aware of it because it's not European Union. They have it or, or not? Not technically GDPR. They have the Swiss Data Protection Act, which mm. in most things very closely mirrors GDPR. So um, in a lot of ways, GDPR is mm. either on the same level or slightly above. So we typically will just follow GDPR requirements uh, across all mm -hmm. of our markets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's dive deeper into marketing and different tools. What tools do you use for, um, what's your go-to tech stack when it comes to marketing? Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm a data guy at heart. So I love numbers. Anything that's going to give me answers, giving me those numbers more effectively, efficiently, it's immediately going to win me over. Um, so that's really first what I look for uh, when I build out any marketing uh, stack. So um, you know, on, on the side, one of the, Tools that I love is Zapier, just because it allows me to consolidate that data um, into into areas. Um, did you? Sorry to interrupt. Did you get free hands at the company? Like, pick whatever you want and go with it. Um, not necessarily. We're we're a very small brand, and we operate with a lean startup mentality. So um, you know, it's it's a bit of a uh, you know, it's a collaborative effort to decide which which tools we're, yeah, we're going yeah, to use. Yeah. Um, but we did do, uh, you know, when I when I came on board, we we migrated uh, email service providers. Um, we tested a few of them, so we were able to migrate uh, there. And then also, um, you know, one of my favorite marketing uh, marketing tools is Google Optimize. Unfortunately, it's being sunset uh, this September. Hopefully, they'll be replacing it with something in GA four. Um, but yeah. you know that's one of the uh, that, that's a platform, for example, that I was able to introduce uh, to the brand that gives us. It, it's such a powerful uh, tool for A/B testing for CRO. Uh, we've yeah. been able to significantly improve site performance, um, which of course you know on-site 
uh, improvement is just as important as getting people to your site. Uh, so, um, I, again, anything with data with numbers like that, I'm, I'm absolutely going to love. Um, so, very disappointed that one's going away, but hopefully we'll, we'll get a replacement. Yeah, and it's so budget-friendly, right? Um, oh, yeah, because absolutely. all of the other tools, they are in the hundreds per month. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, maybe, yeah, I think like, we can talk more about email marketing. Like, how, how do you use email marketing? What's your approach? Especially, you know, talking about sustainability, your products, and keeping this human touch. What do you think? Yeah. How do you do things differently than, let's say, a big brand, a fast fashion brand, let's say? Yeah, so email is obviously a huge uh, channel for us. It, as with almost e any e-commerce brand, it's, it's going to be huge. It's a long cornerstone, uh, you know, foundational support for the brand. We, of course, do campaigns and automations. Um, those automations, not as much as SMS, but in a similar way, we try to use as nurturing. Uh, we're trying to explain brand values, uh, explain the efforts that we're making on sustainability, explain how customers uh, can help participate in that. So we really like to highlight the artisans that we work with in Nepal and explaining how, um, mm -hmm. you know, our our work just by purchasing the, the shoe, you're not just helping some small businesses in Switzerland, but you're also helping this community in Nepal. You're helping this uh, community in Portugal, really in all of the, the regions that we work. Uh, so, of course, we, we try to highlight that as much as possible um, because we're not fast fashion and we're, you know, we're kind of in this awkward positioning of wanting to be uh, eco-friendly, sustainable, but also selling products. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a contradiction when you really look at it. Um, we don't massively launch products every other week, right? We do, yeah. we do a few big launches every year, um, usually with limited uh, production. And we're not producing, you know, 100,000 pairs and whatever we, we don't sell, you know, go somewhere else. We, we tend to produce relatively uh, sustainable quantities. Uh, so, of course, we're going to communicate that on email. We do our, our product launches, but unlike a lot of fast fashion brands, it's not every week there's new colors. Every week there's this limited, limited edition, you know, must buy now type products. Um, you know, we, we try to do a little bit more storytelling, a little bit more connection with the brand. And again, back to that human aspect, um, you know, we, we implement marketing best practices. There are certain things that just work in email copy, certain things that work mm -hmm. in formatting, but we don't want to lose the human side of things. So, uh, you know, with our copywriting or with our graphics, we um, it's a bit of a struggle sometimes to find that happy medium, but we do try to stay human um, as we can in, in email as well. Maybe do you do phone calls? Is, is that a thing for you? Uh, we've done some. Um, we've, uh, again, connecting with community. I'm, I'm a big survey guy. Of course, I love data, as I've mentioned probably 10 times. Um, so I'm a big survey guy. So um, every few years, we uh, traditionally have done um, you know, phone call or Zoom call focus groups uh, with customers, asking them mm -hmm. what they want to see from the brand, asking them uh, you know, products they would like to see, colors they want to see, problems they've had, things they like. Um, and it's really helped... You know, of course, it's, it's for us to understand product development, but it also really does build this core group of customers that um, became, become brand loyal uh, to Babook. And um, it's a really great scenario for both us to learn um, and to also gain these kind of lifelong fans. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to call your customers, especially your best customers, but sometimes even the unhappy ones. I think you can learn a lot from those uh, experiences. So... 
My next question to you, um, what would be your number one advice to other e-commerce entrepreneurs? And let's say those who focus on sustainability. And the reason why I'm asking, because you, are, you have these values as a company as all, and the team, but I think many people, they are afraid that they, you know, their competitors, they outgrow them, fast fashion brands, all of that. What would you tell to those business owners? I think the, the first thing is finding good people. Um, yeah, it's the core strength that we have at Babook. Of course, we have mm -hmm. uh, good products, uh, but that comes second, honestly. You have to have good people. So we're a very small team uh, compared to many other brands of 10 years of our size. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're effective because of who the people are on this team. So we don't, we don't grow just for the sake of growing, um, things like that, but yeah. it's really the best kept secrets, you know, tools, tactics, um, agencies, platforms, all of those are going to help you grow and scale very effectively. Um, but you need that foundational team to make it happen. So I think that's first, um, as far as the marketing against fast fashion, um, marketing in this area of it, um, I think the number one advice I have is just like have some faith in in the consumers. Um, you know, all of us are consumers at the end of the day, whether you know whether we have a marketing mind or not. We we're uh, we purchase based on advertising um, a lot of times, and and so I think have some faith in in the customers that are out there to be able to sift through uh, and understand where that greenwashing is. You know, we're, we're in an interesting space right now, especially in the U.S. with with fast fashion, because it, it's not it's not quite to the level of um, publicity as it is in a lot of European markets where you know, a lot of consumers in the U.S. still are relatively unaware of the environmental impact um, or even the, um, you know, the human impact of fast fashion. Yeah. And. So it's, it's a slow moving pace, but more and more people every single day are learning the facts about what's really happening and are opting to select products from brands that try to do things right. Um, so massive brands, as in every single industry, they're going to take the big numbers. They're going to take the mass, but that doesn't mean you don't have space to capture an audience, capture a, a truly loyal market um, and do the best you can within even if it's a smaller audience, that audience is going to continue to grow. Um, and as long as you're innovating and you're doing things right, I, I firmly believe that doing things right in the end, uh, you know, will outperform just doing things quickly, doing things um, flashy. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely a slower pace, but uh, in my mind, um, I, I think it's much more rewarding. Yeah, and. Also, I think you can pick your competition, right? You don't have to pick with everyone and yeah. anyone in the fashion space. Like, you can pick your own competition. So, and and who you compare yourself with. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm curious. What was your biggest challenge in the past five years at this brand? Yeah. So, I I think um, you know similar to what I mentioned before, but it's kind of the global marketing movement of greenwashing. Um, you know, this is it's kind of a high level biggest challenge, but it it really is so challenging to offer uh, transparency in marketing when competitors, when you know massively the industry is just using greenwashing tactics to make them seem like they're the more sustainable option. Um, so we just kind of have to use that to motivate us and continue doing what's right. Um, I mean, 
we're B Corp certified. We two years ago got recertified um, as B Corp. Those are huge milestones for us. Um, you know, it's it's a very invasive process to go through that, <laughs> which is ultimately a good thing. Um, you learn a lot about your brand going through uh, B Corp certification. So, um, you know, it, basically that it, it requires us to be accountable to those commitments that we make um, and gives us just the tiniest little edge <laughs> in this area of greenwashing where, um, you know, we have mm -hmm. a certification, not just to stand on for marketing, but to really help guide us in where we're heading. So B Corp has their own um, carbon neutral pledges that basically all all B Corp uh, certified companies are expected to uh, comply with. And we have certain requirements for uh, what we do socially in the community, what we do uh, on the environmental side, what we do with our team. Um, and, you know, as I've mentioned just before, consumers recognize this and it continues to, to move forward. Yeah. So, um, yeah, greenwashing has been the biggest challenge to, to market against, um, but we're moving in a good direction uh, globally mm -hmm. in, in terms of, of messaging. Yeah, so it sounds like this certification, these are very important for you and for your niche. Uh, maybe yes. for those listeners who don't know what these mean, the, I think you mentioned D Corp. So yeah, what are yeah. the requirements and, and what does it really mean? Yeah, so B Corp certification, um, it's, it's run by B Lab, which is a uh, global organization that basically reviews and monitors uh, businesses. And to get B Corp certified, it is a very invasive process. Uh, they look mm -hmm. at basically every aspect of your business, from your supply chain, materials. Uh, when we did the last certification, it was even like, um, you know, taking photos of recycling bins in my own private home, not related to work, but just like how wow. your employees operate. Um, how do your employees get to work? Do they bike to work? Do they drive, take uh, transportation? Um, so really in depth um, on, on really every aspect of your business. Most companies that apply for B Corp uh, certification, you, you get a final score at the end. Most companies don't get certified. Um, their scores are posted online, but if you don't hit a certain score, then you're not a certified B Corp. Um, you can kind of show the areas that you're that you need to improve in. Um, mm -hmm. We're very proud to have gotten certified in it, and every two years you get recertified. Um, so we've uh, just recently gone through recertification, um, been able to add scores in that. Uh, but again, the the reason why it's so important, not just from a marketing standpoint, but it really, it forces us to uh, follow certain commitments. By being B Corp certified, you don't just get the badge and then you get to say, yay, we're great, this is all fantastic. You have to continually improve, modify, update, um, align with certain standards that, uh, that B Lab sets out and that all of the global B Corps uh, together kind of drive towards. Um, so it really helps us stay uh, motivated, stay focused. Um, and it's just that constant little reminder in the back of like, we could do this or we could do that. Which one is going to be better for the, um, you know, the commitments that we've made. Yeah, that's amazing. And that would be very interesting to see what percentage of companies they get this certification. Now yeah. I, I will do, I will do a research on this. I got curious. So thanks Alex for uh, joining us today and sharing your story and i wish a great uh, 10th anniversary for the company are you coming to switzerland to celebrate to the with the team this year that's the goal um usually i head over there every six months or so but uh currently uh dan and galena the, the co-founders they're mm -hmm. on a trip around the world with their family um very babook of them they're um they're okay. kind of showing 
their daughters the, the world, going to a bunch of different countries, exposing them to a bunch of different cultures, um, and also building a lot of inspiration. So uh, while we're, we'll be announcing our big celebration for the 10 years uh, next month in March, um, our, we're going to have a big birthday party in uh, Lausanne in Switzerland in September, and I, I hope to make it over for that. And that'll kind of be the, the big finale of our, um, our year-long celebration for our decade in business. That's amazing and enjoy the, the journey and uh, not just, you know, I mean the, the flight and everything, but also the journey with the company. So, yes. yeah, that's amazing. And thanks everyone who watched us today or listened to the podcast. Stay tuned. Every week we come out with a new episode with, with an e-commerce uh, business owner or manager, marketer. And before you leave, we will uh, put the link of this uh, e-commerce store into the description also i will add the link to the description which is about an email marketing checklist that anyone can download for free basically this is what we use with our clients as well and we try to help e-commerce businesses to audit and improve their own uh, email marketing so thanks again alex thanks again everyone and stay tuned